Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Philippians, please. Philippians chapter 4. Creeping our way through this chapter, little by little. <clears throat> I get hung up on words, amen. Words are good. And so Philippians chapter 4. I'm just going to read the first three verses. I'm going to spend my time in actually verse number 1 today. Say, Pastor, you were already at verse number 6 last week. I know I go back and forth. Amen. So Philippians 4, read three verses here. It says in verse number 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eudeus, and I beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now think about this for a second. I'll give you to turn me down a bit there, son. Um, here Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church, and he's mentioning their names. Now can you imagine this? That if the apostle would be writing a letter to the church at Airdrie, he says, uh, I beseech, well, who am I going to use here? I don't want to offend anybody. David <laughs> and Ferdinand. That they be of the same mind because they're getting at each other. And then we read that before the church. My goodness. That was a different day, wasn't it? You know, many times in the scripture, the Apostle Paul actually mentioned names. And one time he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. And so you got to mention names sometimes to expose some of these evil workers. Amen. Or Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And so he's warning the people. Now I know that wouldn't be too popular today, <laughs> you know. But think about that for a second. He mentioned their names here in, in verse number 2. And then it says, verse number 3, it says, I entreat thee also, a true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Ladies, you're important. Yeah. Right there. It says, help them, help them serve, help them do the work of God. They're important within the body of Christ. Amen. Yeah. And turn me down just a little bit there, son. My mic is sounding really weird. All right. And, uh, and then it goes, in, and it goes on to say here, and it mentions names, which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for this time that we can be here uh, this morning. I do pray, Lord, your blessing upon this message. I pray, Lord, you give me the ability to give forth a message that would be stirring for our hearts, inspirational, but also instructional. I pray, Lord, it would help us to have joy in our hearts, help us to be unified as the body of Christ this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we know one of the major themes in the book of Philippians is the theme of joy. And throughout it, you'll see, and now it's interesting because he's writing it from prison. Now, how many of you would go to prison and say, I'm going to pick a theme to write from in prison. I'm going to pick the theme of joy. No, you'd probably say suffering for Jesus. <laughs> Amen. That's what I'm going to write on. And most people do. But the Apostle Paul wrote about suffering, and he mentions it almost every chapter. But he also mentions that there's joy in the midst of suffering. Joy in the midst of service, chapter 2. Joy in the midst of surrender, chapter 3. Getting to that point in your life where you realize that in you dwelleth no good thing. That I count all things but loss. 
for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. That was a joy to him. That I may know him and the, and the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. Amen. Wow, what a, what, a powerful, what a powerful book this is. In chapter 4, we're looking at joy in our state of mind. This is important. Joy begins right here in the way we think, in the way we look at things. And if we're not looking at things right, we're not going to have joy. And so it's important for us to see that. In this first verse, that I'm going to just spend my time in verse number 1, it says, Therefore, now, therefore is always given to show you or to tie you to the thought in the last chapter or the last verse or the last passage, whatever it is you're, you're coming from. The last chapter, we were talking about being followers, uh, pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, uh, following our examples, being careful of the bad examples, being careful of the, uh, of the enemies of the cross. Not a very, co- very popular subject. But then it talks about also that we're going to be resurrected. And this vile body is going to be changed in likeness of his glorious body. So he says, therefore, my brethren, therefore. He says, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And so what I want to do in this verse now, understand something as a child of God Each one of us, if you are born again, now born again means that you have been actually regenerated in your soul. It doesn't mean you're acting like a Christian necessarily. It doesn't mean that you're doing Christian things, even though a Christian should be doing Christian things. But being saved means that something has happened in your soul. Your spirit's been made alive. The Bible says, you hath he quickened that were dead in your trespasses and sins. So there was a time in your existence, that you were dead. And the word dead isn't talking about annihilation. It's not talking about ceasing to exist. Death simply means separation. So when I die physically, I'm separated physically from the physical world. I'm no longer here. The Bible says that there's a second death. And that second death, the Bible says, is the lake of fire. Now that lake of fire is a place of separation. It's a place where we were finally separated for eternity from our God in heaven. And so the second death is the second separation. So the first separation is your physical death. The second separation is being separated from God for eternity. Do you understand? No matter how far, no matter how lost someone is in this world, they are not necessarily completely separated from God. Because if you can wake up in the morning and feel the sunshine on your face... That's part of God. If you can see light, that's a part of God. If you can feel love, that's a part of God. We call that provenient grace or common grace. That's a grace that's given to all men. The Bible says that he causes the rain to fall of the just and the unjust. Amen. But there comes a day where those that don't receive Christ as their Savior will be finally separated from everything that is God from all the characteristics of him, from everything that he has touched and affected for good. (laughs) That's why the Bible says hell is a place of utter darkness, because God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That's why the Bible says that hell is not a place where there's love. You're not going to have a party with your friends. 
And you say, oh, I'm just going to go have a... No, you're still hanging on to something that God has given you. And that's the ability to have friendships. But in hell, there is no such thing. So hell is a terrible place for a person to be. That's a complete separation from the person of God, but also from everything that a lost person could even be blessed with on this earth, they'll be separated from it. And that's why during the tribulation, God once again, as he did in, uh, in Exodus with Israel, he showed the Egyptians, this is what it's like when there's no light. This is what it's like when you feel pain to no end. In the tribulation, he'll do it again. This is what it's like when you feel heat and you burn while they yet had a chance to repent. And the Bible says they would not. But how merciful our God is. If you're born again here today, there's something that's connecting each one of us. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. You see, the family of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ are two different things. You see, sure, the church ultimately will be the family of God, but it's not what it is right now. See, right now, the church has different parameters than the family of God. The family of God is everybody here that has Christ in their heart. Anybody I know that has Christ in his heart, and I've met lots of people over the years that did not come to my church. They were not a Baptist, but yet, you know what? They had Jesus in their heart. (laughs) And you know what? We were a part of the same family. Ultimately, when the rapture comes and and the trumpet is blown, Uh, you're not just going to be Baptist resurrected. (laughs) That means everybody that's born again makes up the bride of Christ in that day. That's the family of God. So what he's doing here, he's expressing to this church his heartfelt feelings for them, and these are spiritual things that he's talking about here. Notice what he says, my brethren, (laughs) my brethren. So what he's talking about there is, me and you, we, have both, we both have a spiritual birth. Whenever he mentions my brethren in the scripture, it's talking about a family tie. And not just, hey, bro, <laughs> you know, that's not what it's talking about. <clears throat> We're talking about brethren, that we have a spiritual connection through the new birth. And I can sense that in people. When I talk to people, even that don't come to our church, or I meet them somewhere, and, I, and they, uh, even we were uh, hanging, uh, giving out door hangers this Saturday, and we went to this one house, and there was this lady, she was playing hockey with her kids on the road there, and uh, we went and talked to her. Paul spent some time talking to her, inviting her to church. I just stopped on the way by, gave her a gospel track. Immediately, I could sense that there was a spiritual connection. Then I asked her, I said, are you, are you born again? She says, yes, I'm born again. You see, because there's a certain spirit that connects people. Amen? The Holy Spirit of God in you is the same Holy Spirit of God in me. And you know what that does? That brings joy to us. The Apostle Paul, when, we, when he got together with people, he first recognized the fact that we are of the same family. That's important. So the first thing he says is, therefore, my brethren. So spirituality is something that the world kicks around. Whenever they're looking at something they don't understand, they they meditate, they try to connect uh, to the universe, and they call that spiritual. 
And by the way, there are spirits that you can connect to by opening up your mind and heart to nothingness. Meditation is wicked. Unless it's meditation upon the word of God. That's why the book of Colossians tells us that, that we ought not be beguiled in the voluntary worshiping of angels. Intruding into those things which you cannot see. Every time you read a horoscope, you're entering into a spiritual realm that you cannot see that has no connection to the Holy Spirit of God or Jesus Christ. Yoga, transcendental meditation, all those things, folks, they're spiritual in nature, but they're not our kind of spirit. It's not my brethren kind of spirit. Amen? So when he's saying my brethren, he's talking about the family of God. And I know that gets people's feathers all riled up when I talk about yoga. There's Christian yoga these days. No such thing. No such thing. In fact, when the Beatles and them were all popular, they were riding on the coattails of that big Eastern movement into North America. And these gurus would come in and they introduced yoga to North America. And because these rock stars were all involved with these gurus, all these people started following them and started taking up yoga. And then they started turning towards Eastern mysticism. Amen. You don't need yoga. <laughs> it's not going to add a day to your life. Amen. You know what will? Loving God. Let the Lord give you full years. That's the Lord's business, not yoga. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You don't need it. Stay away from it. It's mysticism. And so, spirituality. We need to understand that. Sometimes the spirituality is confused with emotion. You've got to have an emotional experience. Oh, that's spiritual. No, it's just you're emotional. <laughs> you're emotional. Not necessarily spiritual. I think we live in a day of Christianity today where a lot of what is called spirituality is really just emotionalism. And I'm not judging each individual, but on the whole, that very much is true. Because I can't have a worship experience without the music playing. The music is what drives the emotion. The Bible says that we live in a day where we're supposed to worship the God in spirit and in truth. But it's amazing. Well, we don't need the truth. We just need the music. <laughs> well, I say we need the truth and kick out the music. Yeah. Or at least have scriptural music. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> you can worship God with music, but you don't need music to worship God. You need a spirit that's right with God. In the morning, you look up to heaven when you open your eyes and say, thank you, Father, for giving me another night. Thank you for another day. I really want to be used today, Lord. Could you please help me in my Bible reading this morning? Give me something I can help somebody with. My friend, that's worshiping God. That's putting him number one in your life. The first thing you do when you open up your eyes, you just talk to him. A lot of people give, give people a hard time. They say, don't pray at night, you're going to fall asleep. You know what? Pray in the morning, pray in the afternoon, pray during the day. And when you go to bed, guess what? Just pray. And if you pray falling asleep to God, 
That's way better than falling asleep to a TV show. In fact, sometimes when I can't sleep, I start talking to God. In fact, every time. I start talking to him. I said, Lord. And I put my burdens on him. I said, Lord, please take these from me. And I pray while sleeping. And sooner or later, all of a sudden, my eyes just close. And I also just go to bed. Because the Bible says that the Lord giveth his beloved sleep. He does that because you're trusting him and you're giving him all your burdens. And the Bible says he returns the peace of God in your heart and he puts you to sleep. Amen. I would like to fall asleep talking to God every night. Every night. That, my friend, is spirituality. The family of God is a spiritual family. The church, the church is spiritual, of course, and it, it's made up of the spiritual family, but not everybody in the church is spiritual. <laughs> Amen. And the church definitely has different parameters, you see. See, the Lord didn't just say, okay, family of God, I want you to go out and win the world. He says, family of God, I want you to go into a local assembly where you within that assembly can reach the world. So they are the same, but they're different. (laughs) Because only in the local church can you control the parameters of that church. Only in the local church can you remove out of the church those things that would steal away the light and the power of God. I can't do that with the family of God. I'd be chasing down a lot of people. (laughs) Come on, we got to reach souls. Stop doing that already. But in the local assembly, you can. You deal with sin. You deal with ungodliness. So you can shine bright. I'm looking at souls out there, guys. Last week I went and did door hangers. Nobody showed up. I was the only one. But that was okay, because we were doing a new area. And some others I did it some other days. And I thought, that's okay. And I just went and drove around. And I was saying, dear God, please reach these people. Nobody cares. You know, it's hard even in Christian lives today to care about souls in the city, to actually drive by a house and realize that there's somebody in there, some child, somebody who may never get the gospel if you don't do it. Oh, that ought to burden our hearts. See, God uses a local church for that. Then we were praying about that, and this week, we put it out again, I put it out on our email, I says, okay, guys. (laughs) And we had a good crowd yesterday. And we went out and started that area and started giving out the gospel to these homes. We got our whole area done with our, us boys and the girls went out and did another area. And, and folks, it won't be long. We're going to get that whole section done. Then we're going to do another area. And after that, we're going to do another one. And then another. When are you going to stop? Until we can't do them no more. We can't do them no more. Until Jesus comes and says, your job is done. Your work is over. Amen. That's a local church. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So you know what we have there? We have the family of God. The family of God. Sorry, I know you're all turning there. I'm already done. Sorry. (laughs) My brethren, 
It refers to the spiritual birth that brought this family together. The brotherhood is a spiritual relationship or sisterhood, amen? That's why we say brother. When I come to you and I say brother, it's because I identify the fact that you, you are probably born again. And I can sense that in you. I remember when I first started going to church and I got saved, and I had a lot of problems. <laughs> Have you, got, you guys got problems? And I remember I had hair down to here. This came out of the rock band and so forth. I wasn't baptized yet. The Lord was doing a work in my heart. And, you know, people would talk to me. They would say, hey, good to, good to see you. But I never heard brother. And then I remember it was just so vivid because we, we surrendered, me, me and Shelly, we just, we, we just met each other, not, well, I guess that winter, and then it was fall. And we both went forward, we wanted to be baptized. And I'd been saved about a month. And so I was in the church, I was excited, you know, God's opened my eyes, I can see things now. I said, whoa, I didn't know all this, you know, and God just really started exposing my errors and my heart and all these things. I need to be baptized. And so me and Shelly got baptized the same night or morning. I forget what it was. She'd probably remember. <laughs> but it's amazing because right after I got baptized and I went down, I had somebody come to me, hey, brother. That's the first time somebody called me brother. To this day, I see that face calling me brother. That made a profound impact on me. It wasn't like, hey, bro. You know, like everybody's a bro. But when he said it, it was like a brother. And that just touched my heart. And I realized they see me as their brother now. They see it on the outside. I was talking about in Sunday school how that you may say, well, the Lord knows my heart. Well, the problem is man can't see your heart. Man looks on the outward. So they'll always see your outside. So if you want to be a brother, then act like a brother. <laughs> you may have somebody coming up to you and saying, hey, brother, <laughs> because you're acting like a brother, a spiritual brother. So he says, my brethren. And he's referring to this. In John 1, verse 13, it says, which were born, not of blood. Maybe I should go back a little bit. Uh, John 1, 12, it says... Um, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Then it says, which were born, not of blood. That means your bloodline has nothing to do with this. It says, nor of the will of the flesh. That means your flesh has nothing to do with this nor of the will of man. So it has nothing to do with me taking you to that tank back there and baptizing you. Because how could you be born again unless the preacher leads you up there and puts you into a tank? Well, what if the preacher is sick? What if, we, what, what if the tank had a leak? Amen. <laughs> no, no. Your new birth has nothing to do with the will of man. But it says, but of God. That means when you got saved, it was God himself. It had nothing to do with the church, had nothing to do with the person, had nothing to do with your family line. That means you heard the gospel, you received Christ as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit of God came into your heart, and you became regenerated, born again. 
When Jesus said, lest the man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. That's what he was talking about. The new birth. With that new birth, you receive a spirit of adoption. That same spirit that comes into your heart seals you unto the day of redemption. And that spirit is the spirit of adoption. That means that you are now signed and sealed as an orphan that has been signed off with a new father. And that father is in heaven. And one day he's coming to pick you up at the orphanage. That's your birth. Amen. We're a very special group. We're, we're not only experiencing the birth, but we also get adopted. How many kids get that? <laughs> Amen. The new birth and the adoption into the family. Amen. There's spiritual birth, there's spiritual love. It says, dearly beloved. This refers to the spiritual love that bonds this family together. <laughs> now, folks, I know something about love. Um, in this world, I've experienced love. I love ice cream. Amen. I tell it to people. You know, it, it upsets my stomach, but I tell people, I don't care. I'm eating it anyways, because I love it. Amen. So there's a love of ice cream. There's all kinds of love. There's friendship love. I go up to my brother. Hey, brother, I love you. That's a love there. There's a love you have for your wife, for your spouse. That's a love there. But there's also a love. It's called agape. That's God's love. That's a sacrificial love. So he's talking to people that understand this sacrificial love that God has given his son for us. That's why when he talked before in the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, I don't know if you guys are still there, but it says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. That's what it's about. Your new birth makes you rooted and grounded in the love of God. So the Apostle Paul, when he says, dearly beloved, dearly beloved, not just beloved, but dearly beloved, he actually puts it right at the end of the verse as well. Dearly beloved. So in the same verse, he mentions dearly beloved twice, kind of like two bookends at each side, each side of the books. Amen. He nestles everything he says in love. And that's what we ought to be to one another. Now, folks, I want to tell you something about love. The book of Jude says that we're supposed to keep ourselves in the love of God. Does that mean that the love of God doesn't exist towards you? No. It just means that you may not experience the love of God because you're not accepting it. You know, the Bible tells us you got to keep yourself in the love of God. <laughs> That's why the devil cannot be loved. Because <laughs> there's no way he can enter in. He cannot find it. He cannot enter into it. I didn't argue with a college student one time. Oh, yeah, God loves everybody. He loves the devil, too. I says, he can't. Because the love of God, in its essence, and its meaning, is action. And there's nothing God can do for the devil. So there's no way that the devil can enter into the love of God. But when you 
received Christ as your Savior. His love produced action. And it, was, it, and it called out to you and you entered in to the love of God by believing the promise and receiving the Son. And the Bible says once you're in the love of God of salvation, you're supposed to keep yourself there. How do you do that? By allowing Christ to work in your life and to continue moving forward for him. You backslide, you remove yourself out of it. The same way the Bible says that uh, if you walk in darkness and say you have fellowship with God, you lie and do not the truth. A lot of people say, I love God, I love God, but they're living in sin. They don't love God. See, you only love God when you obey God. So he's telling you, he says, keep yourself in the love of God by obeying God. And that keeps you within that dynamic of that relationship with your father. He says, wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And I will receive you and I shall be a father unto you and you shall be unto me as sons and daughters. He's talking to saved people. Saved people many times don't have a relationship with their father in heaven because they will not remove themselves from the unclean thing. Amen. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not saying he isn't their father. He is. But in the same way that my children, when they want to be in fellowship with me, they have to stay in obedience to me. If they're not in obedience to me, they're out of fellowship with me. Then I tell them, come out from among them and be separate, son. And I will be a father unto you. And you'll be like a son to me. That's the heart of every father that has a child in sin. They know they can't have a fellowship. They know they can't uh, experience that joy together. Amen? Until they remove themselves from the darkness. Dearly beloved, Paul, he had a spiritual love for these people because they were in Christ. He was in Christ. His love was based upon what is truly good for this church. Amen? You understand? You can either stay in the love of God here in this church or you can remove yourself from it. And I know there's a lot of love here. There's a lot of people that would sacrifice a lot for you. Every person in this room. And I know some men and women that would do anything to help you. But you take yourself out of the will of God. You're taking yourself out of the love of your friends and the love of the church. Amen? And then you'll sit at home and say, they don't love me. <laughs> no, they love you. You just went out from it. You don't dwell in it. Amen? It's important. The same way with God. You can't blame God if you're the one that removed him out of his love. <laughs> You've got to stay there. Let him bless you. Let him bless your life. Have a relationship. Have a fellowship with him. Have fellowship with the people of God. Have fellowship with the church. Don't let anything take you out of God's church. Amen? It's not a good thing. Spiritual love, then you got spiritual unity. Notice what he said, longed for. They were longed. That means to desire earnestly. I don't know, do we understand what this is? In the scripture, he's always talking about his bowels. My bowels long for you. He say, man, I tell you, we don't talk like that anymore. <laughs> you 
You go up to somebody, your girlfriend or your wife, my bowels long for you. They would slap you. But the bowels was everything inside. It's kind of like when you miss somebody. Everything hurts here. It's not your heart. It's not up here. Sure, my heart hurts, but when you really miss somebody, it's like your whole guts, everything is just, right? So when he met Bowles, he was literally saying that when I think about you, everything in me tenses up and I yearn for you. I long for you. That's Christianity. That's spiritual truth. The Apostle Paul was sitting in a Roman prison. These people are at Philippi, long ways away. But it didn't stop his heart. It didn't stop his bowels from longing for these people. You know, we need that back in the church. We really do. Some of us, it's like, man, you say the wrong thing to me today. I'm cutting you guys off in five minutes. That's not Christianity. Christianity is your bowels yearning to be with the people of God. Oh, folks, you need to love it. And if you don't love it, you will lose it. You need to love it. Before you come to church, it ought to be in your guts already. Oh, I can hardly wait to be the people of God. You ought to look at them, walk in the door, just reach out to them and just shake their hand like you mean it, man. Like you love them. That's what people need today. And that's what we need to be. And that brings unity to the body of Christ. It's a spiritual unity. It doesn't matter where you are. He'd say, Pastor, I gotta, oh, we're going on vacation this week. He shouldn't have to sit there and wonder, oh, I wonder if you're going to church. I wonder if you care about God. I wonder if you even think about the church. <laughs> he ought to know that it's going to be hard for you to leave the people of God for a week. Oh, you just take it too far. That's how far we've gone. That's not church anymore. Folks, I'd love to get that back in the church. Where when you think of the people of God, you yearn, you lose sleep over them. You pray for them. You hurt with them. That's the kind of church we need. Not this, you do the wrong thing, I'm out of here. You're already out of here. It's probably been a while since you've been here. The longing's gone. Amen. Get the longing back in your heart. And whatever the devil did to take it from you, kick it out. It's not worth it. He's leading you down a wrong road. He's not leading you down the path of victory. He's leading you down the path of defeat. Get back to loving the people of God. I'll tell you, you will never regret it. Never. You guys get what I'm talking about this morning? I hope you do. Because if you do, that means we got, we got hope here. <laughs> that means that a little bit of the bowels are starting to move the right way. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you understand that? 
I hope that's going to happen here. I hope we'll have that kind of love for one another. Long for. There's also spiritual glory. Notice what he says, my joy and crown. This refers to the spiritual glory that we can have in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says this, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? This is a soul winner's crown. Do you understand that when you look at somebody in this room, some, everybody in this room is somebody's crown? Do you know that I am somebody's crown? Do you know that you are somebody's crown? Somebody invested something so that you'd be sitting here saved today. The Apostle Paul knew he planted this church. Remember he went to Philippi? Remember he found Lydia by the riverbank because the ladies wouldn't meet in the synagogue. They'd go down to the river and they'd pray. He found these ladies praying there and he led her to Christ. And she says, hey, come to my house and we'll let you use my house for your church. So then he spends some time there. It doesn't take long. And he heals that or casts out that demon of that demoniac girl. And he knew very well that if he would do that, those merchants would lose their, their livelihood with her. So they got mad at him and they said, hey, arrest him. He's causing problems. So they dragged him through the street, stripped off his clothes, beat him in the square, threw him into prison in Philippi. Then they put him in stocks and he sat there in the darkest place of the prison, him and Silas. And at the midnight hour, they started to sing. Oh, no, we sing after they open the doors. Oh, let's sing now. <laughs> Paul says, I'm singing because God's always with me. Yeah. And then when he sang, the Lord shook the jail, opened up the doors. He goes to that Philippian jailer. He's right about to thrust himself through with a sword because when you lose a prisoner, you get killed by the government. So what does he do? <laughs> Hold on there. Do thyself no harm. This is the same person that cast him into the prison. Didn't just say, oh, you know, watch your head. The word there is cast him, thrust him. That means when he brought him down, he kind of threw him and give him a kick on the way. And when he's about to put that sword in, Paul says, do thyself no harm. We're all here. What? You didn't run? Why didn't you run? He says, because God put us here for a reason. Yeah. And you're it. Yeah. Oh, I was thought about this. Paul in the prison in stocks, he was the freest man in that prison. Mm. You know who was in the most bondage? That jailer. Yeah. Oh, sirs. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house he says yeah. that means hey let's go to your place so the jailer gets saved he brings him home his family gets saved they get baptized and here you have the first members of the Philippian church so when he says 
my joy and crown. My joy and crown. He's thinking of that Philippian jailer. Ready to thrust, thrust himself through. He says, sir, you are a crown to me. You are joy to me. Lydia, he thought about her. He said, you're my joy. You know who else? The demoniac girl. You're my joy and my crown. You talk about a first membership. All these people knew what it was like to be saved. My joy and my crown. Look around you. Can you say that? Are you somebody's crown? Do you have a crown around you? <laughs> Amen. Oh, I long for the day one day when Jesus Christ comes again and we'll get to see all of our crowns. All the ones that the Lord has used. And folks, it's not just those you've led to Christ here in Calgary or Airdrie. It's maybe those that, uh, that we've reached in Uruguay through the Paulician family. And you're sacrificing your time and your funds and different things so they can have what they need to go win souls to Christ over there. They're your crown. They should be your joy too. Amen. There's a great joy in the family of God. But if you lose these perspectives here that I've talked about today, you're going to lose your joy. Aren't you glad you can come up to somebody here and say, hey, brother, <laughs> look them right in the eye. Say, man, we're connected in a way that the world just kind of says, what in the world is that? <laughs> you, you want them so badly to have what you have. That love, that belovedness before, between one another. Don't let the devil take you out. <laughs> You're going to remove yourself from all of that. You're going to go sit at home and watch TV. Where's the beloved? Where's the joy? Where's the crown? Where's the family of God? Amen. You need it. You need this. His final thing is here where he says it's spiritual strength. He says, so stand fast in the Lord. See, all these spiritual truths are there so you can stand fast. You've got brothers so you can stand fast. You've got joy that you can stand fast. You've got crowns that you need to win so you can stand fast. You're supposed to stand fast. It means to stand firm in faith and duty, to be constant, to persevere. Because the Bible says that, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That means at some point in your life, you've got to be strong enough to take some hits and to keep on going anyways. Amen? Amen. If you can't take a hit, the devil's going to play with your life. I've had to take hits and it never stopped me from God's will for my life. Don't let it stop you. Stand fast. Stand fast. The devil will talk to your ear. Oh, it's not worth it. Oh, Christianity, oh, the church, ah, boo, boo, you know, and he's just trying to make you feel, I don't need it. You need it. Stand fast. The Lord knows when it comes down to it, that's what matters. 
You are here in this life today to work through your local church to reach souls for Christ. It's your purpose. It's your calling. And the devil hates it. That's why you got a target on your back. Or should it say your heart? Stand fast in the faith. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Men, stop acting like little girlies. Be men. Real men stand. They're not tossed to and fro by the little things they hear. They stand fast. Sure hope you're glad you got a preacher that's not going to do that. My goodness, man. There wouldn't be a preacher on the planet behind a pulpit if that's the way they were. You got to take it. Men, for your families, you got to stand fast. It's your responsibility. You're going to meet God one day. He's going to look at you. Why did you quit? Why did you backslide? Why did you give up? Well, this person called me a name. He says, let me introduce you to my son. Let me show you what they did to him. Didn't you understand what he said when he says, I did these things, that you should have an example that you could follow in my steps? Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he threatened, he suffered. When he was threatened, he suffered not. But he committed himself unto him that judgeth righteously. Amen. And that's why he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stand fast. It's the example of Christ. I'm convinced that if people will just make a decision to operate within the scriptures, you will always stand fast. What's going to take you away from the things of God is when you veer off from following the Bible. You're going to follow your little feelers. Your emotions. Well, I just feel, kick out the feeling. Stand fast in the faith. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. That means behave like men. Amen? Stand fast in liberty. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. It says, And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What kind of person that after you've been set free by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ would now put yourself in a place of bondage once again? Stand in liberty. Stand in freedom. Whenever you listen to the devil, he's just waiting there with the handcuffs. You understand that? He just wants to limit your movements. He wants to limit your life. I remember uh, when I was... When I got saved, I, I backslid, and I started smoking again. I had smoked for over 10 years, then I went smoking again. One thing I realized about smoking, after I started again, because now I wanted to do things right, but it, it, I, was in, I was in a constant battle, because my cigarette would tell me, you can't go there now. Or the cigarette would tell me, you have to leave now. 
Or the cigarette would tell me, oh, you better take a shower now before you go to church. You see, I allow the devil to put the handcuffs back on me. I lost my liberty. (laughs) But when I got back with the Lord and I quit again, (laughs) now folks, I don't know if anybody's smoking here. Please, I'm not gunning for you, all right? This is just an example. Could be anything. Do you understand? The devil wants to put the handcuffs back on you. (laughs) And if you backslide, that's exactly what's going to happen. And the God that you thought you were obeying is not the God that you will be obeying. And your heart will not be perfect towards the Lord your God because you'd be listening to a different voice. Amen? I don't want anybody telling me when I go to church or when not. I will walk through that door when those doors are open. Say, preacher, you have to. I know. (laughs) I got to be here. (laughs) I want to be here. You couldn't pay me to be anywhere else. Stand fast in liberty. Freedom. Stand fast to encourage your church family. Listen to this one. 1 Thessalonians 3, 7 to 8, it says, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. The Apostle Paul preaching here, or writing here, it says, For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Does that mean he would die if they wouldn't stand fast? No, what he's saying is, we are flourishing because we know that you're standing fast. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you something. You want to, you want to encourage your family? Stand fast. Yeah. Amen. You want to be the hero of your wife? Stand fast. You know your wife will flourish when you start taking the leadership of your home and start following God with all your heart. Now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. I know you'd make my day. (laughs) When I see people in this church standing fast, no matter what comes, man, I I live. I live. You know what your children, when they see you standing fast? There's something in them that starts to live. You're encouraging them. You're saying, yeah, that's my dad. It's my mom. They're doing the right thing. Stand fast in the Lord. Stand firm in duty and doctrine and stay true to the things of God. I'll tell you something. You will encourage people around you. You'll encourage your family. You'll encourage your preacher if you care about that. Amen. I'll be encouraged anyways. Amen. Amen. And the fourth one is, and finally we'll be done. Stand fast to keep what you have gained. I think of all the things that the Lord has allowed me to do, even over the last 20-some years I've been preaching since 2000 or 1999. Here we are in 2022, and I've been able to uh, be involved in God's ministry and see people come to Christ, see them grow in the Lord, disciple them. I've trained so many people in college and doctrine and I've had such a great opportunity not because of me this God gave that to me I was just wow 
What a blessing to know that there's people out there that are preaching every Sunday morning because God gave me an opportunity to teach and to preach to them and instruct them in the things of God. Do you understand if I don't stand fast? It says, 2 John 8, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. You know, I could just back up today and say, you know what? Lord, nobody likes me. This isn't worth it anymore. I'm not hurting you. I am. You know who I'm really hurting? Me. Two decades of labor. Two decades of giving my life to the ministry. Every message, thousands of messages. Losing what I've wrought. I'm not ending this race this way. I may be limping, but I'm going to limp over the finish line. But I'm going to get there. (laughs) The Apostle Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I've I've finished my course. That's what I want to do when I meet the Lord. I've finished my course. And Paul was limping too. He really was. He even wrote, he says, I bear in in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He'd been beaten with rods. He'd been stoned. They thought he was dead. And he got up. (laughs) And you know what he did when he got up? Oh, they don't love me. I'm going home. No. (laughs) He says, let's go preach to another crowd. Let's go win some more people. Amen. Man, you want to be a part of God's plan? You've got to learn to stand fast. You don't listen to the naysayers. You don't listen to the critics. You don't listen to the people that are trying to stop you from growing. You say, no matter what you say, I'm going forward. The devil had me in his sights many times over the years with people. They wanted me to stop. Because they had stopped, they want you to stop. It makes them feel better. It makes them feel better when you stop when they've stopped because they're not the only one stopped. Amen? Don't stop. Don't stop. Stand fast in the Lord and you won't lose what you've gained because we're going to meet the Lord one day and I want him to look right back to the first day I started serving him and say, you know what? This is what you've wrought through the power of my grace. Amen? Let's bow our heads.